Alright, so we're continuing the Family Matters series. I uh, uh, mentioned this last week, but last, last, uh, last year, mid-year, I asked for folks uh, for topics. And one of them was, uh, I don't know a lot about the disciples or, or those folks that out of that famous series. And, and we talked about uh, John the Baptist in week one and Elizabeth and Zacchaeus. Last week we talked about the Apostle Peter. This week we're moving to the Apostle John, the, the beloved disciple. So a little about him, he was uh, very prominent in the life of Jesus, obviously, in the New Testament church. John was a Palestinian Jew, but not much is known about his childhood, which is to be expected. We didn't, we didn't, they didn't have Twitter and social media, so, so they couldn't track him as well. He didn't have rabbinical training. He wasn't trained in scripture, but he was solid. He, he knew scripture pretty well. He, as well as Peter, was, he was a, a disciple of John the Baptist prior to meeting Jesus, and he likely grew up in Bethsaida, in that same fishing town, close to the Sea of Galilee. Um, it's the hometown of Philip and Andrew and Peter. Um, they were His whole family was fishermen, and, and his family was well-to-do. His father's name was Zebedee. He was one known as one of the sons of Zebedee. I always like to say Zebedee. His father was wealthy, uh, wealthy enough to have hired servants, so that's that one of the ways that we know that they had money. They weren't, you know, they mended the nets, so he hired people to mend nets, and that's not something that just any of uh, the fishermen in that time could do, so we knew that they were well-to-do. His mom's name was Salome. Uh, some think that she may have been a sister uh, of Mary, the mother of Jesus. We don't have that solid, but she was pretty, pretty prominent in Mary's life. Um, she was also well off, and she was, was a primary contributor to supporting the ministry of Jesus. She was uh, at the cross when Jesus died. She was there with Mary. That's kind of why some folks think that she was really, she was really tight with Mary, so that she must have been a sister. Um, another indication of her wealth, though, is that she was the one who bought the spices for Jesus' burial. And spices, spices would have been uh, a costly thing. So uh, John's family was pretty well-to-do and also well-connected. We know that because John 18, 15 tells us he was personally acquainted with the high priest. So his family was well-to-do, well-connected. He had at least one brother named James. Uh, James was one of the twelve and one of the core three of Peter, James, and John. Uh, about 44 AD, his brother James was executed by Herod Agrippa I. John is known as the Apostle of Love or the Beloved Disciple. He loved the church and he challenged us and encouraged us to love one another from the beginning. His focus was, was in that place. He was one of the first of the disciples to actually follow Jesus. He overheard John the Baptist talking about Jesus, so he went after him. And that's another thing to take this, make a mental note of. Uh, he and Peter had a little bit more in common than sometimes we give them credit for. John was brave. Uh, all the other disciples were missing at the cross, but John was at the cross. So he was not afraid to be there when Jesus died. The other ones were all in hiding. And John was the one to whom Jesus gave charge of his mother. Um, John was bold. Uh, pretty confident in his faith, moved by the whole power of the Holy Spirit, because he was with Peter. Remember last week we talked about Peter. Uh, the Pharisees were persecuting Christians, and, and, and Peter goes to talk to them. John went with him, and, and uh, Acts 4, 19 tells us what they said. Whether it's right for us to obey God or man, you be the judge. We will obey God. Something for us even today. We know he was a man of prayer. Jesus counted on him 
for that. Jesus took him to the Mount of Transfiguration, but he was also on the Mount of Olives when Jesus asked John to pray for him. John also went to the temple to pray. And these are scriptures that you'll find in, in the Terah of the Bulletin to, to, to reference it. John was a man who knew scripture. He was one of the, the stronger uh, uh, disciples in understanding. And he was one that kept telling us how Jesus fulfilled different scriptures. If you read the Gospel of John, John is constantly saying he fulfilled uh, scriptures in this way. But it wasn't just an intellectual exercise for him. See, sometimes in the church we get into this place where it's just about what we're, we keep it up here, but it's a heart thing. One of the great things about John's gospel, and his is different than the other. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic gospel. Uh, John's is different. And part of that is the way that he wrote and his understanding of God is that there was a passion to it. And there is a passion to it that is powerful. So for us, to, what we can grab from the writings of all four is, again, we need to learn it up here, but we need to get it in here as well. John could, could be fiery. That's what I talked about Peter. Uh, John gave, gave, or Jesus gave him and James the name Sons of Thunder as, as an acronym. One time, John and his brother got mad at the folks, and they asked God, Jesus, well, call down fire from heaven. So these are guys that, that were impulsive and reactive. Kind of like Peter. It's interesting that this is in the, the, the disciples and like that. He went with Jesus up on the Mount uh, Tabor during the Transfiguration. He was one of the ones that got to hear, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. How cool is that? He, he was one of the three. And he was there when Jesus brought salvation to all mankind. He was there at the foot of the cross, and he was with Peter when they went to the empty tomb. But it didn't end there for John. John John became a prolific writer. And some folks, scholars will dispute whether John wrote all the letters. But I'm, I don't, you know, I'm attributing to John. I'm not concerned with that. So uh, he's a prolific writer. Uh, he knew about sin from a personal, the way that he wrote, he knew about sin. He knew what it was. And he knew about love. He knew what those things were. And he, and he brings to us, uh, writings that challenge us in both areas, that, that it's not okay to sin, but there is grace when we do. One of my first memory verses was 1 John 1-9, and, and, and it's actually 1-8-9 are together, and what they say is that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, John knew that we would have sin in our life, but he also knew the grace and love of God, and he brought those together. Two verses bring those together in a powerful way. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself and say that you don't have anything going on in your life. You do. That's up, because God's grace is there for you. There's nothing that you have done, no place that you have gone, that God is not already there, extending his hand to you, saying, I forgive you. Now, we sometimes struggle with accepting that forgiveness, that's not God. God has his hand extended saying, I can give you. Confess it. Tell it to me. And then you can let it go. Now we know that he was single. Uh, his wife, he took Jesus' mother into his household. Uh, so the church was really John's family. And walking in relationship with God is probably the strongest lesson to be learned from John. John walked in relationship with God. 
See, John shows us it's not just about a religion. It's not just about tradition. It's more than that. It's about relationship. And that's true today. We want to study. We want to learn. We want to learn all we can, but not just so that we know it, so that it can enhance and help us in our relationship. See, all of his accomplishments are a direct result of his close relationship with God the Father and Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit. John was intimate with God. And that brings us to our passage this morning. John 13, 31-35. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is the word of God for all people. Thank you. Thank you. Satan relates that when the Apostle John was an old man, his message was reduced to this. My little children, love one another. And that story may or may not be true, but what's clear is that, that we are, as Christians, to love one another because Jesus Christ first loved us. He loved us, and we take that love with us into our lives and spread it around. We love because God first loved us. John gives us that in his first letter. Jesus tells the disciples that they must obey a new commandment. Love one another. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. And I'm not talking about just the touchy-feely kind of love. It's not just hugs. That's part of it. Claire got part of that, right? You know, it is about hugs and saying I love you, but it's also about support and being there and sometimes going when you don't want to go to help somebody. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, there, there have been mornings when it's cold. You don't want to get up and go early to hop in that cold bus over there and start it up and wait, and it doesn't ever heat up until you're about two-thirds of the way down the road. But I do it because I love the girls. I want them to know Jesus. I want them to grow in their faith. I want them to become the women of God that he would have them to be. And we all do things like that. We set aside our own comfort in order to be the hands and feet of Christ because we've got to. If the, the rest of the world may not do that kind of thing, but if people look at us and they see the love of God, it will transform us and transform them. Little children love one another. Our response to God and God's love for us is faith towards God and love towards one another. We hear what God has done for us in sending Jesus. He sent Jesus to die for us. He died. He takes away the sin of our lives if we'll give it to Him. Sets us free. Jesus is crucified and risen and we believe. We come to know Him. He becomes real to us. And our response is faith, and, and, and we experience that. We express it. Prayer, uh, 
uh, service, praise, thanksgiving to God. We, we talk about the things going on in this church, not to pat one another on the back, but to say, Hallelujah, Lord, thank you for moving in and among us. Thank you for making a difference to us. I mean, how crazy is that? Look at your life, and, 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 and he's using you to make a difference in somebody else's life. He's, he's using me, which is really crazy. Our response to God is faith and love towards others. Jesus reminded us that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our mind. It's the centerpiece of the cross. The vertical. Love God. And love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's the cross being. Whenever we see the cross, Love God, love your neighbor. And I'd like to add, prove it. Prove it. It's not words. Martin Luther had this to say when he preached his congregation, as there is no fire without heat and smoke, so there is no faith without love. For when through faith we know how dearly God loves us, we must gain a sweet and loving heart towards God. And this heart cannot stay by itself alone. It must flow forth and freely show its gratitude and love. But as God does, does not need our work and has not commanded us to do anything for him but to praise and thank him, the Christian makes haste to give wholehearted towards the neighbor, serving and helping the neighbor. Love God. Hallelujah. Praise. Glory to you. Help your neighbor. Help your neighbor. Teresa of Avila said this. She said, the Lord asks two things of us, love of God and love of our neighbor. And the further advanced you are in this, the greater will be your love for God. The more that we do that, the closer we are to God. The more that we do what's not surprisingly, the more that we do what Jesus tells us to do, the closer we get to God. And I want to be clear about something. Jesus didn't say tolerate your neighbor. He said love your neighbor. It's harder. We love because Jesus commands us with a new commandment to have love for one another. Anybody in the world, anybody in the world can tolerate each other. How do you love somebody you don't like? That's Christianity. That's following. That's being a follower of Christ. We love because we have been loved in Christ. And how you do it is remember that God loved you first. God extended his grace to you first. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. He did it anyway. My neighbor doesn't need to earn it. Whoever that neighbor is. We also love love because it works. In his book, The Miracle on the River Quiet, some of you may have seen the movie. Ernest Gordon talked about an incident involving British soldiers who were interred uh, with, uh, by the Japanese. And there were injured Japanese soldiers who the healthy ones were kind of were ignoring. And they were not doing well, their wounds were festering, and, and they, they were dying. And the British prisoners tended those wounds, gave of their little bit of food, and ministered to those Japanese soldiers. They cared for an enemy that had beaten them, that had tortured them, that had killed their comrades, killed their, their, their mates. And God broke down the hatred and conquered it with love. Love can work miracles and break down barriers because it is truly the power of God. 
Love can do that. Love can do that. And in the church, we've lost sight of that. All you have to do is read Facebook and comments and articles on the internet. And they'll tell you how Christians are doing. Show you how they're doing. As we attack and destroy one another in the best of our ability. John writes, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. That's John writing that. Not Mike. John. Love one another because love is from God. It works in our schools and in our workplace and in our families. It works in our lives everywhere. When we truly live that out, it changes everything. A girl named Sarah came from a family where there wasn't a lot of love, criticism, fighting, ridicule, violence. That, that's what happened in her home. The words, I love you, or I'm sorry, or forgive me, that didn't happen. That wasn't part of her world. Then Sarah found a new faith in Jesus Christ. She met him and began to act differently at home. She didn't act the same if they attacked her. She didn't attack back. She stopped in the middle of the fight. She asked to be forgiven or forgive me. She started saying, I love you, Mom. I love you, Dad. She began getting hugs. She returned blessings for curses, compliments for ridicule, forgiveness when she was wrong. Over a period of two years of giving blessings to, to her parents and blessings to her siblings, that entire family met Jesus and gave themselves to him. Jesus tells us to love because it will change our lives and it will change the lives of others. That's true for me with my father. He and I had an interesting relationship. He was a violent man. And I had to learn how to tell him, I love you, Dad, but I can't be here right now. And it didn't go away, stay away. I went away and I didn't come back. And our relationship changed. When I learned how to love him despite the stuff, it changed him and it changed me. Love works. Love works. And love becomes a mark in the world for us as the family of God. It identifies us if we can figure out how to do it. It's that we believe what we say we believe. It's easy to say, love God, love your neighbor. Words are cheap when it comes to love. Action. Jesus gives this new commandment because he's going from the world back to his heavenly kingdom. So he's leaving. And he tells us, tells his disciples that they can't go with him. And the commandment to love is for us in the meantime. As he's gone, we're to love in his place. Do you, do you understand what that means? He's gone. We're his hands and feet. We're to love like Jesus loves. We're him. In that sense. That's our job as the church. To be him. To this world that's gone now. This world's not heaven by any stretch. But when we love as God loves, when we love God, love our neighbor, we can bring a little bit of the kingdom into this place. We can bring a little bit of the kingdom with us. We can break down barriers between people. We can break down barriers between races and genders, ages and abilities, political opinions and ideologies. We can show through our lives that we believe what we say we believe. Even here in our little church at Bold Springs and 
We can do this. This is, this is what we're called to do. It's a primary for us. It's a core. We can be a community that loves one another, supports one another, and sometimes challenges one another when we need it. And at the end of the day, we come out of it united. Don't always agree, but don't need this Love one another no matter what. Being rich or poor, young or old, gay, straight, Republican, Democrat, bright or somewhat slower, none of that stuff is critical. Those are human things, but in Christ we are a new creation. We're God's own people, and when we accept Christ, He begins to work in us, and then things change. We can be like the early church. They were noticeably different. This is on your tarot because I think it's powerful. I hope that you will consider this throughout the week. The Roman Emperor Hadrian described the early Christian church, and he said this. He said, they love one another. They never fail to help widows, and they save orphans from those who would hurt them. If they have something, they give freely to those who have nothing. They don't consider themselves brothers and sisters in the usual sense, but instead brothers and sisters through the Spirit of God. They were noticeably different from the culture in which they were living at that time. And we can do that. We can do that here. Bishop Apple, George Afton was a bishop in Jerusalem, and he became friends with a Jewish professor. That Jewish scholar told Appleton that he prayed for Christians every day. He said, I pray that you Christians may be more like your Jesus, that your love for one another will be made more plain. More plain. See, the marks of love were plain on Jesus, weren't they? They were in his hands and his feet and his side. Did, did you, have you ever considered that when he, when he showed himself to the disciples, those marks were still there? When we help, when we help others, it's going to leave a mark, guys. Always has, always will. It's okay. Jesus had marks. It's okay. Help, serve, love God, love your neighbor. When we give to the mission work of our church, when we bring food for the fish or shepherd staff. When we tell others about Jesus, these are marks and signs of our faith. When we give a person a second chance, or a third chance, or a fourth chance, or a fifth chance, or a fifty-seventh chance, we're showing the mark of Christian love. And don't mishear me, I'm not saying that you let people walk all over you. You set limits and, and boundaries, but you still give them a chance to participate in life. When we watch our cutting remarks or gutter language, we behave a little bit differently at work or at school or with friends. We're a bit more, just a little bit more open, just a little bit more caring, just a little bit more accepting, just a little bit more loving. Just, if it can move this far closer to Christ, it will change you. Especially if you do it with people who are different from you. If you don't like it. Love anyway. It's easy to love people that divide us. Hard to love those who don't. But when we do that, we love our enemy, when we love our neighbor, we show the effects of our faith. See, love is from God and love is of God. It's not in the most distant emotion or feeling or sentiment. Biblical love is not all hearts and flowers and candy. It's not. It's about actions, it's about deeds. 
loving because Christ first loved us. It's loving because Christ commands us to love one another. It's loving to build just a little kingdom here as we wait for God's return and the great kingdom to come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. It's love which changes minds and hearts. Changes schools and communities and congregations. Love changes lives. So says the beloved disciple. Little children, love one another. I think John has it right.